Sponsored by JMR Rentals. JMRNY.com Hello and welcome to No Rest for the Weekend. I'm Jason Godby, and today on the program, my guest is a legend from the world of animation, having worked on the Disney animated classics Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, and The Lion King. Recently, he has directed his own award-winning animated short, Mushka. And joining me now via Zoom, Mr. Andreas Dadia. Welcome, Andreas. Hi there. Uh, thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. I know you're doing a bunch of these today. I'm always happy to be a part of someone's uh, junket. Uh, and I also wanted to tell you, I saw the film last night, and it's just lovely. I thought it was oh, thank a you. really beautiful movie, and I want to talk to you about it. But first, I want to talk to you about you, kind of get a sense of your background, because you have this legendary kind of career. Um, so uh, can you tell me how you got started in the business? Like, what's your origin story? I think I was about 11 years old. Uh, had not seen a Disney movie yet in theaters. Um uh, and the Jungle Book came out, the first one, you know, the hand-drawn one. And in, in, uh, growing up in Germany, it came out there in 68. I was 11 years old, and my life changed forever because uh, I was so impressed. Uh, well, being impressed is not even the right word. It was, it was like a lightning strike. Uh, you know, this thing just really hit me. I'd never seen anything like it. Uh, uh, it was just, the, just about the most magical thing I'd ever seen. Uh, obviously, these were drawings that came to life and they made you feel things and there was music and it was just the greatest thing I'd seen. And so I decided to write a letter to the studio and see if they could give me some advice how I can prepare myself to uh, sometime work for them. So I did that and uh, uh, they sent me a letter, which I still have. I'm very proud of that. And they basically said, if you're interested in, in the type of animation that we do here at Disney, then you need to become an artist on your own right first. And um, that means going to art school, uh, learning to draw the human figure, go to the zoo, and really sketch the animals a lot. And uh, But you can start out by just drawing your parents and brothers and sisters. So draw real things, in other words. So I took that really, really seriously all those years following uh, this advice. and went to art school and eventually studied graphic design in a German city. And um, then it, it was around the time, I was almost finished with my four years course when I found out that Disney, this is now we're talking the late seventies, Disney had a uh, animation training program going on for new people coming in to see if they had what it took, uh, maybe they, they could be employed as animators. So, and I also found out who was running the training program that was uh, uh, an animator called Eric Larson, who uh, uh, worked with Walt Disney on Pinocchio and Bambi and many other classics. So um, I wrote to Eric and he saw some of my work, which I had sent to him. And um, he basically said, well, finish school and then come on over here in, into our training program. So I started there in August of 1980. So you get to Disney and like, what's the what's the first project that you're working on? Yeah, it was kind of interesting. They um, they were in the process of finishing the Fox and the Hound, so they said. Uh, management told me we don't need you on that. We don't have any 
design work yet for the next one, which was going to be called The Black Cauldron, based on a series of books by Lloyd Alexander. And he said, maybe you can do some design work for us uh, on, on the characters and to see what they might look like. Uh, and um, they, they also told me, you know what, we want to pair you up with another young artist who just uh, finished uh, his art studies at the, at the California Institute of the Arts. And his style is very different than yours, is his drawing style. Um, we like it, but it's it's kind of eccentric. And maybe we can mix up your personal style and his style. And that other artist was Tim Burton. So I um, spent my first year uh, at Disney in one office with Tim Burton trying to come up with character design for this Black Cauldron project. I saw the Black Cauldron when I was a kid, and it scared the hell out of me. <laughs> Did you decide... <laughs> Did you design the uh, what was it like the uh, the Horn King or is it the I can't remember the was that yours? Uh, I I designed the Horn King, did a little bit of animation on him, but focused mostly on on the boy and the and the girl and the old man Dolbin. And yeah, it was uh, it it was a time where we kind of started over because the old animators had just all retired and weren't working at the studio anymore. So it was just. It was just up to us, a bunch of kids from art school, to continue on. And and if I want to be honest with you, some the inexperience really shows in the Black Cauldron, whether it's storytelling, animation, all of it. It it, it kind of shows when I, when I look at it now. Well, I'll I'll thank you for my nightmares, sir. <laughs> <laughs> but the uh, the um the great part about it though was that was the end of an era. Like you said, it was like what did they call them? The nine old men that uh worked that worked in animation and that was kind of like it and disney was sort of regrouping and then trying to recapture some of the old magic and then we get into the what the early 90s and we get little mermaid beauty and the beast lion king and aladdin and you, i know you worked on some of those films as well so can you talk a little bit about that time i i think our uh stock uh, started to rise again um, with two films. One was Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which, which I was a part of. Um, and then that was a big hit. And then right after that, The Little Mermaid, in, in which I animated King King Triton, Ariel's father. So both of those were sizable hits and really gave the studio the confidence that animation uh, is a good business to be in. We have box office box office again, let's keep going. And uh, we did, and we just had this amazing wave where with each movie, the box office seemed to be getting bigger and bigger. It was just incredible. And it was also fun, you know, to, uh, these were these were good stories, well told, and they were all so different from each other, whether it was Beauty and the Beast to Aladdin to Lion King, uh, they were also different from each other. And uh, and I think they were, they were just substantially, good stories was there a particular philosophy at disney uh or a method that you later adopted for yourself and kind of became like a credo for you well uh the the standard the uh, just the quality of the old disney films is always something that you had in the back of your mind you know i want to be that good and will i ever be able to be that good uh, like these guys were because they were just became masters and inventing the medium, so to speak, as they went along. So that, that actually can be a burden because these guys came before you and they were just that great. Uh, but 
I try to turn that around for myself and let that more inspire me than put me down. And um, uh, so you're always striving for the absolute best uh, quality. Uh, what really worked for us, for our group, was when we stopped asking ourselves, what would Walt have done? You know, in this particular story situation, you know, there were decisions to be made. What would he have done? And we just stopped asking that and trusted our own guts and instincts and uh, uh, created stories that that really mattered to us. And we hoped that they would also matter to the audiences. And we kind of, kind of, uh, not disconnected ourselves with the past that was always there, but really try to do our own artistic statements and storytelling. You know, now you've just started directing uh, with Mushka, which I said I, I like very much. Um, what was the impetus for that? Can you talk a, a little bit about the, well, first give us a little synopsis of the story and then like what was the inspiration behind it? Yeah, so it's a story about a um, little girl who um, finds a... Uh, 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 an orphan tiger cub, and she she raises him. Uh, she calls him Mushka because he has, has his birthmark on his forehead. It's an M. Mushka in Russian means like sweetheart. It's like a word of endearment. And uh, she raises him, and as he gets big, they're bond, of course. And uh, but the girl finds out that there are some bad folks around them who want to kill him and sell the the tiger body and so she of course wants to save him and the only thing she can think of is take him back into the forest where she found him and hopefully he will become a wild tiger away from humans but uh things don't go according to plans you know so that's sort of the idea that that i had originally which really is just an idea it's not a it's not a story yet and i reached out to a friend of mine who has some experience with writing he's never done a movie script but uh He's written some novels and poetry and other things. And so he fleshed this idea out and uh, created this screenplay that I liked and it felt like reading a novel. Uh, he added new characters, a grandmother and her father, the girl's father, who she really didn't really know. And uh, there were like some nice tensions between characters in it that I, that I liked. And uh, so then we ended up storyboarding it and seeing how how this particular would look how this particular story would look like visually in storyboard form and made some changes and switched a few sequences around and then uh, then animated it with a really really small team uh, and that's why it really took so long um, we we had a tiny team just a few animators um, I did end up animating most of it myself and I had a fabulous background painter who, who uh, worked at Disney as well way back, who did background paintings on Aladdin, Lion King, Beauty and the Beast, all of those. And she um, she went back between her daytime job and and, and Mushka and really uh, ended up over the years painting about 90% of all the backgrounds. So we're talking hundreds of them. So I'm very grateful to Natalie. Uh, her full name is Natalie Franzcioni Karp. And this movie just wouldn't be possible with her tremendous vision, what that world of Mushka looks like. And, uh, so, uh, yeah, and then uh, to finish the movie up, we had a whole bunch of loose ends in fall of last year. We didn't, didn't have the final sound mix yet. We didn't have the final recording with an orchestra yet. We didn't have a singer for the song. So all that came together, like within a few weeks, we found all that. And uh, I was told that, uh, for example, 
that Skywalker Sound uh, also does independent films uh, with a lower budget. And I, I didn't know that. So I approached them. So I ended up doing our final sound mix with these wonderful people uh, up north at Skywalker. And uh, in terms of the orchestra, we found one in Vienna, Austria, and we did we did this through Skype. Uh, and uh, that that worked out really well. These are very de dedicated mus musicians. And uh, so we, we had top people really helping us finishing the movie. And uh, how long has this whole process taken? The whole journey is about 10 years. Um, uh, and the main reason, like I mentioned, is because we, we, uh, we had a, a relatively small crew. And uh, there were moments where I needed to stop. Uh, after we storyboarded the film, uh, there was a publisher who, who asked me if I wanted to do a book, maybe on the old Disney animators who worked with Walt, uh, since I knew them and had friendships with them way back in the 80s, early 90s. So I did write that book. And then I also did a couple of exhibitions for the Walt Disney Family Museum in San Francisco, one on Mickey Mouse and one on the movie, The, the Jungle Book. So that kind of took some time out of the schedule. But yeah, the whole journey was was about ten years. Ten years to get a half an hour. I know it's uh, sounds it sounds crazy, but uh, um, it is what it is. That there was a time about three years ago where I thought, well, and I talked to my little team. I said, why don't we just all all hands on deck and just get it all done this year? And then uh, uh, one of my my team members said, what, why rush this? You know, because um, you don't have anybody yelling at you. You know. Uh, in terms of deadlines, you, you know, you don't, you don't get phone calls like on a Friday, where's sequence eight? You promised, you know, said, let's just do it right. And it's going to be done when it's done. So then it took another two to three years and we're, we got it done in a way that that we deem best, you know, without sacrificing quality. I know that guys like Ralph Bakshi, uh, famous uh, animation director, he talked about sort of the Disney system and being very frustrated with all the tests that you have to do. And it seemed like a very sort of grueling uh, process that really overworked animators. And I know that there was probably an air of perfection there. When you got to this point where you're directing yourself, was there any sort of like a sense of relief of like, hey, I can do this my way. I'm not answering to a director. Was there a sense of freedom there or was it kind of scary in the sense of responsibility. You know what, it was It was all of those things. Uh, it was relief because I didn't have to go to any meetings uh, about management. Uh, uh, you know, I, there are quite a few meetings when you for, work for a big company. Um, didn't have those. And if there was a meeting or a Zoom call with one of my uh, artists, because they, they all worked re remotely from home, it was all creative. So that was good. Um, uh, it was scary because I had never done this. Uh, I had never been involved in uh, storytelling uh, in aspects like recording the voices, uh, recording the, the music and all of those things. And this time I would be involved in every single aspect of filmmaking, animated filmmaking. So uh, it was daunting at first, but then you, you just, I don't know, you just sort of grow into it, you know, and you find enough people to help you. Uh, I was never at a, at a, at a loss. Uh, you know, I had a few animators who helped me to help me to finish the animation of the film. I had Natalie mostly painting me all those wonderful backgrounds and the composer 
who did the score is a friend of mine. His name is Fabrizio Mancinelli, and uh, he did this sort of John Williams symphonic score. And he used uh, a theme that was written by none other than Richard Sherman from the Sherman Brothers. And the Sherman Brothers worked with Walt Disney way back in the 60s and wrote most of the songs for the original Jungle Book for the, the first Mary Poppins, which won them the, the Oscar. So Richard Sherman actually offered to <laughs> write a, a musical theme and a song for my film, because I told him the story about a decade ago, we had lunch and he asked me what I was doing and I told him the story. I said, I think I'm gonna do this film with this tiger and this girl. And and he he got kind of excited and he found it interesting. And he was fascinated by it and he, just came out with it. He said, well, maybe somebody at this table here can write some some music and a song for your film. And I was just, I did not see that coming because he's Richard Sherman, you know, but he ended up, he ended up writing this beautiful lullaby uh, that we use throughout the film that is really Mushka's and Sarah's theme. And we also have it as, as a song at the, at the end of the film. So yeah, the whole, I mean, talking about Full Circle, you know, I, I uh, my first Disney film was The Jungle Book, uh, where him and his brother uh, wrote most of the songs. And I, those songs were such a big part of my childhood. You know, I want to be like you and trust in me and all those great tunes. And the idea that decades later, Richard Sherman would write a song with me and also be involved in the story process. We, I, I also had him involved in that. It's just uh, it's just mind boggling. But uh, yeah, it all worked out in the end. I know this is a, a hand-drawn animated film. And, you know, nowadays everything seems to be done by computer. Uh, and Disney is even remaking their old films from the 90s uh, with computer graphics. It, this film almost feels like a rebellion against that sort of, you know what I mean? Like, do you, can you talk about sort of the, the feel of hand-drawn animation? Like, I recently saw... I went back and watched the original 101 Dalmatians. And that movie is just gorgeous. It you is. Know? And I think films like that just, the, 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 it's got a certain magic to it. Like this film of yours has a certain magic to it that I just don't find in a lot of computer animated stuff. Yeah, I just found myself in a, in a situation where uh, just about all animation studios, or most of them, uh, uh, just wanted to do CG films and uh, I could see why, you know, they had success in box office and all of that. But but personally, I found myself thinking, do I want to be a part of that or do I still have things to say and and doing graphics and drawing my animation? And I, and I thought about that for a little while and thought that I should stay with it. I, I, I really have more statements to make and uh, maybe even have a chance to do my, my own film, which I had kind of dreamt about while at Disney's sort of a weekend project, maybe a 10 minute film that I could mess with on weekends and all that, but, but that, that really never worked out because when you work at Disney, your main focus is all the time on your assignment right then and there. So now I, I, I did have time once I made the decision that I wanted to still express myself in, in drawing and uh, uh, I'm also a big fan of 101 Dalmatians and the movies from the 60s. And because at that time, the, uh, the Disney films were kept sort of loose and sketchy and 
the animator's original drawings were shown on the screen. They were not reinterpreted by an assistant and made look very clean and tight. No, it was the animator's drawings. There's an honesty and it's more of an artistic statement, uh, I thought. And I said, I wanna, I wanna try that for, for my film. So let's keep everything loose and sketchy and uh, but still hopefully tell a good story tell a good story and have people believe in these characters. But it definitely, uh, uh, those Disney films from the 60s were definitely an influence. And I know that the film is, on. you're on the film festival circuit now, you've uh, played some and you're playing some more. Uh, what is the ultimate plan for the film going forward? Is this something that you're looking to get released on a streaming service somewhere? Yeah, something like that. Right now, uh, just like you said, we're just focused on uh, showing the film in festivals, seeing reactions and, Distribution will just just follow. You know, we're we're just focusing on on showing the film at this point. And what do you feel like you want audiences? Uh, how do you want audiences to react, or what do you want the impact of a film like this to be? Well, it's just, it's sort of a reminder um, that this kind of medium still exists. Uh, that that drawings still uh, have a powerful way of making you believe that they are more than drawings that actually become beings you know they 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 have a soul they they have feelings you know and that there's just it's just a it's just a magical i, I don't want to call it a trick but it it really is magic to know that these are drawings but they also make you feel something inside and uh, so it's just a reminder of that, that that this kind of animation can still be be done and here's a here's a film that's half an hour long and i hope people enjoy it. and the other thing I want to really encourage students who also might have an idea, uh, not for a half hour film necessarily, but maybe for a three, four minute film, just to just to go for it. Get together with some friends, you know, and uh, it's just you, your time and your talent. Uh, that's really all it takes. It's not that expensive anymore. In the, the old days, the most expensive uh, aspect of making a short film was transferring your film to a 35 millimeter copy or a 60 millimeter copy. That was super expensive way back. And uh, we don't have that anymore. Your film is just a file, a computer file, you know? So the costs have come way down and hopefully people get encouraged to do their own, their own film, their own project. Great, and for people who uh, wanna know more about this film, where it might be playing and where they can find it and find out more about you, where can they find that online? There is a website, a Mushka website, uh, if they Google Mushka, the film, uh, it'll pop up. Uh, we have some background information, some fo uh, photos of the artists. The trailer is on YouTube. Uh, if you just uh, uh, go to YouTube, put in Mushka, uh, the full trailer is there. And uh, yeah, there's some information out there. There's some, some articles that have been written recently uh, about the film. So there's, there's stuff you can, you can find online. Great. Thank you so much. This is a real pleasure. Um, I know you got more to do today, so I don't want to keep you. But uh, thank you very much, sir. Thanks for having me, Jason. And that's all we got for you today. Thanks so much for taking this trip down the rabbit hole. For more of our content, visit our website, norestfortheweekendpodcast.com. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app or on YouTube, youtube.com slash getbehindtherabbit. I'd like to thank my guest, Andreas Deja, and our sponsor, JMR Rentals for Behind the Rabbit Productions. I'm Jason Godby. Thanks for joining us. See you next time.